Hello and welcome to the AJ on the Line podcast, your Belgian Grand Prix. There's been a bit of a summer break. We've not spoken to you or each other in a while, so let's see if we've still got it, eh, Jimmy and Joe? How are you both doing? Good. Uh, I preferred my break from you from my break from break from F1. Um, that one, <laughs> that one was more surely needed. So. <laughs> I don't blame you. But yeah, because you went on holiday for a week and then I went and fixed British relations with the Europeans for two weeks. So it's been a while. Um, Jimmy, how about you? What have you been up to? You are on holiday yes, as so well. We've all been on holiday in the past month, which is quite funny. So it's sort of all doing it at the same time. But yeah, good. Thank you, mate. Yeah. It's almost like it's the summer. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Very hot, actually, which is nice for a change. Um, but yeah, I'm good, thank you, mate. Yeah, let's get cracking. How British is this? We've we're not really sure what to talk about, so we'll talk about the weather. Exactly. Anyway, this was a Belgian Grand Prix in which both I and Jimmy accidentally went to the wrong racetrack. So um, whether or not we could produce an accurate account of the race, let's see. Now I th- I think we can, can't we? Um, you were at the Silverstone Classic, of course, Jimmy, and I was. At Monza. Trespassing. Just <laughs> I wasn't trespassing. I just found a gap in the fence. AKA trespassing. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the that's not the dodgiest thing. The bike was the dodgiest thing. <laughs> <laughs> we have to rate the race first of all the Belgian Grand Prix. Joe, we'll begin with you. Uh well, given that I haven't watched it, pretty difficult. Um, I think I think it's quite hard to judge a race that you haven't watched in full because obviously you only get the uh, the good bits um, and not sort of the. Were there any good bits? I, I mean, come on, a driver going from fourteenth to first. There's at least a couple of overtakes that are quite exciting. But I imagine once that had been done, it was all pretty settled down. So I'm gonna, I'll give it a four based on what I know, Jimmy. Yeah, I'd give it a four as well. Um, although, as Joe said, Verstappen went from 14th to first. He did have a far superior car on that race weekend. Uh, you still have to win, and he's won. Um, and he also inadvertently sabotaged Charles Leclerc with that tear-off going into his um, brake ducts, which forced an early pit stop. Uh, but yeah, it, pretty boring race, if I'm going to be honest well a boring race that scores a four must be okay and it must have some talking points so maybe we'll get into it and summarize what went on and joe don't worry because i saw the start um but i was traveling through milan so it was a bit iffy at the time so i saw the key bits and i know generally what happened as i'm sure you do but but yeah jimmy we might be forced to to yield to you um and as you win no breaks for the first time will you win no breaks for the first time let's find out uh we will begin with joe followed by me followed by jimmy okay so in three two one joe so um carlos Sainz got away well at the start um but i've said um already so and the key thing to remember about Carlos Sainz being on pole position is he hadn't qualified there. Max Verstappen had qualified on pole position after being dominant in terms of pace all weekend. But 
loads of people i think seven or eight drivers had engine penalties that they chose to take at the belgian grand prix because it's a track where it is a lot easier to overtake than say zandvoort which is where they're racing next weekend so the interesting stat in terms of the starting positions is no driver actually started where they qualified on saturday which is a bit silly really but that is why carlos Sainz was on pole position he got away but who was in second place after they came out of turn one it was fernando alonso closely followed by lewis hamilton and the great thing about the belgian grand prix is the start isn't it because you've got a long straight lots of cars trying to get in a slipstream before they pop out and try and make a move on the Kemmel straight. And that's exactly what Lewis Hamilton tried to do around the outside um, of... Oh, I said, um, what happened, Jimmy, next? Of Fernando Alonso. However, he didn't leave Fernando enough room. And Hamilton went up into the air in very spectacular fashion, actually. Uh, and Fernando Alonso said some quite choice words on the radio. I'm sure we'll go into that further on in the, 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 the podcast. Uh, but that unfortunately led to Hamilton having to retire early on. And then, uh, I don't know what happened. Joe. Yeah. Hamilton had to retire early on. Everyone else carried on. Leclerc also had some issues early on in the race, being the victim of a visor that flew into his uh, radiator. So, yeah, the tear-off for, for Max Verstappen's visor as a result of all the dust and debris coming into his face at the beginning of the race went into Charles Leclerc's engine radiator and I'm sure you can imagine that doesn't help the engine cool down so Ferrari seeing the rising temperatures called Charles into the pits for an early pit stop underneath the safety car which had come out as a result of Hamilton's retirement and Valtteri Bottas's retirement too um, who had oh, I said um damn but he went out Jimmy so um, Max Verstappen worked his way up through the field, overtaking, very good overtakes some of them. Um, and then he uh, overtook uh, George Russell and then Carlos Sainz um, and then Sergio Perez. Sainz. I'm going to say there was Joe. three erms in a sentence oh, there. Yeah. Sorry, mate. So, yeah, Max Verstappen fighting through the field, overtaking plenty of cars, got past his teammate on just lap 12 after starting 14th. That was partly because Carlos Sainz in the Ferrari, who was leading, has pitted early. But it only took another six laps after Max Verstappen had pitted for him to catch Carlos Sainz again and overtake, taking the lead on just lap 18 of the Grand Prix. And he just drove off into the distance, didn't he? Not that much of note happened, really, in terms of the fight at the front after that. Uh, Adam, it's you. You've still got half a Grand Prix to fill here, but... <laughs> and there's not really much else to tell other than there were some great overtakes coming from the likes of Esteban Ocon, who, despite starting sixth and finishing seventh, still had a cracking race, making two double overtakes, including one on Sebastian Vettel and Pierre Gasly, reminiscent of the way that Mika Hakkinen had got past Schumacher and a backmarker whose name I can't remember back in the day. I've got to say, Max Verstappen did make some overtakes, but a lot of the drivers waved him through just because they knew he was no match for him. 
he had that mental advantage over them all weekend and he really had the advantage when it came to finishing the race too because he was about 30 seconds up the road from his teammates so we may talk about him having the best car and the red bull car being even more dominant despite the technical directive coming in but we cannot forget that Sergio Perez is a cracking driver and is nowhere near Max Verstappen 30 seconds behind so Max Verstappen won Sergio Perez second and Carlos Sainz held on to third place from George Russell who was catching him towards the end um yeah what happened to Charles Leclerc though Jimmy I'm not too sure he pitted late did he all right uh I think I'm going to pass it to okay, Joe. Like, I was the only one who watched the race. It's part of the fully, game, knowing what, yeah. what the hell's going on. Yeah. So, Charles Leclerc, who had a penalty, was brought into the pits to try and... He didn't have a penalty oh, at that did point. Oh, not? Sorry. Okay. No. He was a solid, nailed-on fifth okay. place. So, Charles Leclerc, who was a, a solid, nailed-on fifth place, <laughs> was brought into his team into the pits to try and steal the fastest lap on the last lap of the Grand Prix. However, in a classic sort of Ferrari strategic blunder, came out behind Fernando Alonso. Well, he came out just ahead of Fernando Alonso, but Alonso had all the momentum going up through a route and onto the Kemmel straight, overtook him. Charles didn't even end up setting the fastest lap, and via a penalty that was awarded to him later, lost the position to Fernando Alonso, finishing just sixth. Which, to be fair, given that he started 16th, doesn't look that... Uh, 15th, doesn't look that bad on paper. But when your title rival's charging through 14th to 1st... Is he a title rival? Well, no, but... No, exactly. Well done, Joe. You won, no breaks. Just, um, yeah, mostly because I just said... um, uh, but But, yes... That is your race summary, everyone. And we will talk about the biggest winner. Is it Max Verstappen? Yes, it is. Dominant. He's going to win the second world championship of his career. Um, and I'm sure there could be quite a few more to come. Uh, anyone have any different opinions on that? It's pretty clear, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, yeah. 14th to 1st is one of the you know, furthest back that anyone's won from. Um I think that's the same as Lewis's furthest grid position that he's won from. Um, sort of memorable recent-ish ones. I can remember sort of Kimi Raikkonen in 2005. Uh, Alonso won from... It was 12th in Valencia that he won from? Correct. Yeah. So it's it's up there with drives like that. Obviously, there was a large car advantage at a circuit that is easy to overtake on. But, I mean... To make it, it was like a video yeah, yeah. game for him, look, wasn't look, it? This weekend, there's, there's been there's been plenty of dominant cars and dominant drivers throughout F1's history, and this doesn't happen every week, does it? No, not least, you know, halfway through the Grand Prix and winning by 17 seconds. Yeah, yeah, it was thoroughly impressive from both team and driver. And do you feel that maybe Red Bull, because they had that? really tense fight with mercedes last year where they could not make a mistake mm. they are perhaps at the top of their game making no mistakes still whereas their only real challenges ferrari who 
some would say at points have had a better car this season they are not maximizing their points they're mm. not at the same level as red bull in terms of performance of course you've got to talk about the driver max is doing superbly well and charles leclerc has made the occasional mistake yeah i mean i just don't think they've got anything else to think about really at the end of the day if max is driving as fast as he is they don't even have to think about strategy really because whatever strategy happens they're going to make it work and they're going to get round the 44 laps or whatever faster than anyone else it's that simple anything to add jimmy yeah it's just ferrari being sort of ferrari isn't it we've had it every single race almost this season where the strategy has been very peculiar if it's you know they're winning very comfortably with a brilliant margin in austria and they're on to strategy e i don't see how that's possible and i think they went on to strategy d in spa um and their their car wasn't up to it i think that's the upshot of this weekend is they didn't have the car to compete with red bull carlos Sainz did everything that he could he maximized his result yeah by coming third place um that was their best chance of a win because he was starting on pole but i i think even in their heart of hearts maybe ferrari would have known that they were going to lose that race even though they were starting on pole position just because of how good that rebel is and you you got to expect it to be doing well around monza in a couple of weeks time but maybe they won't win in zandvoort i don't think they'll win in zandvoort if ferrari ferrari strategy holds and they make some sensible decisions i think ferrari will win that's a big if though and we'll talk about our predictions in a few moments time but we'll move on to our biggest loser i've said the rest of the field they uh, verstappen was in their heads rent free it was just a matter of going around the track hoping that they could get as high up as they can in terms of the points but i think there was only ever going to be one winner and everyone knew it this weekend didn't they even with the penalty everyone knew it even with the penalty max could start anywhere and he was going to win that race Mm. yeah we're not really selling f1 right now but sometimes you have moments like and weekends like this like we've said um and it's been great races up until this point so i expect that we're going to get more of those but i don't don't mean to put a damper on this season but i am a bit disappointed with the lack of sort of effort from ferrari considering last year with mercedes and red bull and how exciting that season was and the promise of is it effort or ability? I don't know, but it's it's the promise of the new regulations which excited everybody. And to me, I don't see there being a sort of smaller gap between, say, Williams and Red Bull. I know that may reduce in the next few years, but it just seems to me that it's all pretty much the same. Yeah, they can race a bit quicker, but the, the upshot is there's a hierarchy still. Um, and yeah, it seems to be that there's not that animosity in this title fight, maybe because they're not very close. Um, but last year was just so good, I think, um, compared to this year. But cars always tend to be closer together towards the end of regulations as opposed to with new ones. You've got to give it time. Yeah, I suppose so. With yeah. new regulations, there's always a team that finds a, you loophole. Know, a loophole or something that works. So Yeah, absolutely. And I think the, the issue is it's not, abundantly clear what that loophole is that red bull are utilizing because it's clearly it's clearly not the flexi floors that people were suggesting well yeah it's another good point i mean um the floors were meant to have a big big 
change in the the competitiveness of Red Bull and Ferrari, but that just seems to be completely wrong. If anything, it's made them further apart from the field, Red Bull particularly. I think it slowed Ferrari a little bit. I think Mercedes and Ferrari, in the end, were quite close in terms of race pace. You saw Russell mm. getting past Charles Leclerc. Yeah, I think I think Mercedes had their pretty their sort of classic issues in terms of warm up on race pace. They did look on Ferrari's sort of level, and you know I'd have expected had Hamilton stayed in for him to be sort of fighting for a podium, same as what George was. So you know, yeah, um, right. Biggest loser from you, Joe. Um, I'm going to go with Sergio Perez and to a slightly lesser extent Carlos Sainz as well because I feel like this was sort of the the second driver's big chance, I suppose, um, in terms of their, I'm, I'm still going with the line, championship contending teammates having large penalties starting 15th and uh, 14th that they should have been you know 10 15 seconds up the road by the time those two cars had fought through and they should have really been on for those two going for victory but i mean to lose to seven by 17 seconds to your teammate who started 14th is not great you wonder whether perez had he not have been overtaken by alonso hamilton and russell at the start whether he he would have perhaps Mm been closer to science at the beginning of the first lap but that's on him isn't yeah. it Perez he's a good driver we all know it but maybe I think it's it's clear that Red Bull have made a car to suit Max Verstappen he's as a result Perez is struggling to to keep up with it right but and you that's, still that's you still shouldn't trouble. be if you are starting from second you should be no matter how quick you uh, your teammate is you should be finishing ahead of them in the same car if they're starting in 14th yeah unless something mad happens and it didn't yeah so so yeah you're right um i'm not going to argue with that joe jimmy are you going to argue with that probably i'm yeah i'm gonna say um charles clerk simply because um his pace just fell off a cliff i mean he was almost overtaking perez and they had a bit of a uh not tangle but perez sort of squeezed him out going to uh, I don't know what like, uh, from the the straight to the a camel straight, and then what are those corners called? It's Lecom. Lecom, that's it. Yeah, it, it just his pace fell off a cliff, which I thought was really weird. Um, and yeah, he's not going to win the title by the looks of it this year. So another sort of pretty shocking result for him. I don't know. Did you see that? Did you think the same? I thought that um, Charles Leclerc was compromised by pitting really early mm. and that's probably why his pace dropped off uh, because tyre wear was pretty high um, it being a, a lot of high load on that track and the temperatures being fairly high for Belgium so I think he wasn't helped by that but in reality he wasn't helped by his team he should have been um, competing with George Russell for fourth place he wasn't in the end because his pace dropped off I think yeah, he should have been fifth mm. based on what what he had been dealt in terms of cards. But but yeah, it's it's a big loss for him because if if we didn't already know it, which I think we did, um, I think that's the championship done and dusted. Moment of the race. You may have this, a similar one to I, but let's go with you, Jimmy. Uh, probably the the first lap incident going into Lecom with Hamilton and. Uh, 
and Fernando Alonso, the two. Yeah, it's, it's the same for me. Talk us through it, though. Uh, so Hamilton got a brilliant run going down the Camel Strait into Lacombe. He decided to go around the outside, uh, didn't leave Fernando uh, much space at all, and it just sort of fired him up into the air. And then, I don't know what happened, probably broke his suspension or something in the engine. Um, but yeah, it was um, it was a sort of... I don't know if you've noticed, but whenever Hamilton and Alonso come together, Alonso makes it his duty to try and sort of put manners on Hamilton. I mean, even when Verstappen comes um, alongside Alonso, he's never very sort of as punchy, let's say, as he would be with Hamilton. Uh, He isn't in general, but I think this year it's fair enough given that Alonso is almost competing with Lewis for that position, whereas he knows he's not competing with Verstappen. Yeah, but last year as well in uh, Hungary, he put up a huge defence from Hamilton. I mean, he could have just let him pass and run his own race, but yeah, he just kept him behind. Well, I mean, to be fair, Jimmy, in that case, his teammate was in the lead and he literally prevented Lewis Hamilton from catching him. Well, yeah, I understand that. but Yeah, he he won his team He did win that race. race for his team. I do think he's got a vendetta against Hamilton because he made him look like a bit of a mug in 2007. Um, but yeah, I don't know if you <laughs> I, agree with I'm that. I'm not disagreeing yeah. with that. Did you did you see Lewis Hamilton's Instagram post today? Yeah, I, I, I noticed it. It said uh, to Fernando and it's got Lewis's signature yeah, he, and it's were, got a piece of... Lewis has signed a hat for Fernando Alonso. <laughs> a bit petty, but, but He's yeah. only a two-time world champion, I think, isn't he? Let's be honest. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. Yeah. I think I'm in agreement here. So, so yeah, um, that was my moment of the, of the weekend as well. Although there were many off-track things that we should probably talk about as well. Um, but, yeah, that I'm in agreement with you there, Jimmy. It defined the podium, but I don't think that it defined the race win because that was always going to be Max Verstappen. Joe, moment of your weekend. Um, I'll go with the Ocon double overtake that we mentioned a little bit earlier on Sebastian Vettel and Pierre Gasly. Um, not that much was happening at that point in the race, was it? Um, so it desperate, desperately needed something to happen to keep us awake for the last 20 or so laps. Um, and it was a brilliant overtake um, that sort of capped off a brilliant overall performance for Esteban Ocon, which I think you're going to get on to later, aren't you, Adam? So I'll stick with the uh, sure, I'll stick with the actual overtake itself for now. Um, it was just really sort of quite a brave move to go three wide, and because he was on the outside, and anything can happen, as we saw earlier in the race, going into Lecom. So brave move, good move, exciting move. What you want to see? Esteban's quite a punchy driver, isn't he? He's he is capable of pulling that sort of thing off. Yeah, definitely. And not not many people give him enough credit. And it was amusing on the commentary how Martin Brandon was talking about how wise uh, Sebastian Vettel was in terms of getting past Gasly. But in doing so at La Source, the first corner, Vettel didn't have the DRS mm. for the long straight. So maybe it wasn't so wise from him. As, and I don't like to criticise Seb. But, but yeah, I, I think he probably would have been better off waiting. And I think that's what Ocon was seeing up ahead. He was like, right, so Seb's the quicker of the two guys ahead of me. And the fact he's now not got DRS, I've got to make a move on both of them. And that's what he did. So 
fair play to Esteban, and fair play to Esteban to the point that I'm going to give him my honourable mention too. Uh, brilliant drive. Yes, he went backwards a position, but I think it's fair enough given that Charles Leclerc and Max Verstappen, two superior cars and drivers, they got ahead and he still managed to overtake someone and that would have been Lewis Hamilton. Um, but, but yeah, solid drive from him. Great overtakes, two double overtakes. So, yeah, you've got to give him that. And he's the only one that's at Alpine at the moment. More on that in a few moments' time when we discuss what's going on at Alpine. A little bit of a teaser, so you better stay with us while Jimmy tells us all who his honourable mention is going to. Pierre Gasly. Pierre Gasly! Exactly, Sorry. that one indeed. Um he, um, yeah, so he started 20th and he finished in the points, which was, uh, was a great performance from him. Um, Did he? Yeah. Started from the pit lane, actually. Why does it say he started 8th here? It's rubbish, load of rubbish. Uh, yeah. Because I think he had a problem with his car, so he had to start, he wasn't ready in time or something like that. Is that correct? Yeah, so effectively, yeah, I remember because effectively Verstappen was starting 13th. He was in the 14th grid slot, but starting uh, right. 13th. See. You don't know these things if you don't watch the whole race. No, so yeah, great race from him and uh, yeah, great, great result to get a couple of points. Um, and it's his first points in about six races. Gasly's not been able to score the points in that Alpha Tauri this year as easily as we we become accustomed to last year. So great shot, great drive. Yeah, very good drive. Yeah, so he's, uh, he's my honourable mention of the week. Very good. Shout out Pierre. And Joe, who are you going to shout out? Uh, I'll go with Alex Albon. Started in P6. Obviously, that was quite inflated by the grid penalties, but he still got through to Q3, didn't he? Um, which is he certainly did. In which a is a Williams. big achievement in the Williams, and he managed to make it count, scoring points in a car that's not always in a position to score those points. Um, obviously, don't normally give uh, honourable mentions to drivers who've gone P6 to P10, but in the car that that's in very impressive performance and showing that he's a really good driver because he is and he was unlucky to be forced out of red mm -hmm. bull in a car that didn't really suit him so it's nice that he's rebuilding that career at williams and he's uh, a bit of news um since we last spoke to you brilliant people alex albon's been confirmed for williams for next year still waiting on nicholas latifi and while we're talking about the driver market i'm going to talk about my aj on the line line of the week which came from daniel ricardo at the beginning of the weekend where he informed um social media or let's say confirmed to social media that he will make 2022 his last year at mclaren now the official line is that it was a mutual decision um by contract it was his decision um but i think it was mclaren's decision to pay him off uh he's not been performing we all knew this and he will be vacating that seat alongside lando norris and it's highly expected that oscar piastri will be the one to replace him why do we think this well we had some other news that came out um, since the Hungarian Grand Prix. So following that, what happened? Fernando Alonso does what Fernando Alonso does. And he tells the whole team, apparently, other than 
Otmar Safranauer, his boss, that he's leaving, and he signs for Aston Martin to replace Sebastian Vettel, who's retiring at the end of this season. So, all of a sudden, there's a gap in Alpine, and everyone's thinking, including Alpine, well, it's fine. We've got another driver in the form of Oscar Piastri, young driver, F2 champion, F3 champion, um, F4 champion. Uh, and we're going to stick him in the car. He's hottest property and he's ours. So Alpine announced that Oscar Piastri is going to be joining Alpine. An hour later, or maybe two hours later, Oscar Piastri takes to Twitter, takes to Instagram and basically says now nah, mate I'm not joining alpine um i'm not going to be driving for you next season and i don't agree with you making this announcement so everyone's sitting thinking well where else is he going to go if not alpine it's got to be a car that's better or at least on the same level as alpine and there's only mclaren that's available if Daniel Ricciardo goes, and I return to the news that I brought you at the beginning of this monologue. Daniel Ricciardo is leaving McLaren. Should we deal with that first? Reaction to Daniel Ricciardo leaving McLaren? Sad, but expected, really, isn't it, I think? Um, you could see it coming from quite a long way off. Um, yep. that if the results, you know, even last season we were starting to say, if the results don't pick up quickly, then you're looking at a bad situation. And they they just haven't picked up, you know, consistently outperformed by Lando Norris, um, who who is obviously a very good driver, but I think someone as experienced and, and as good as we know Daniel Ricciardo can be should be at least matching Lando Norris. It's yeah, a, it's a results based business at the end of the day, sport. And McLaren were paying him mega bucks to be someone that Lando and Lando Norris could aspire to be as good as. It was rather the yep. opposite. So I think I think the fact that McLaren are willing to spend at least $20 million on getting Ricardo to go, as well as uh, spending whatever it costs for Oscar Piastri mm. to come in, and, and maybe the legal fees involved in, in that contract dispute between them and Alpine. Now that shows the levels to which they, they don't want Daniel Ricciardo in that team anymore. Um, it's a shame, isn't it? But like you said, uh, anything to add on that, Jimmy? Um, it'll be interesting to see what, obviously, first of all, it's a shame that he's leaving, but his results haven't been up there. So you can see why he's left. Almost McLaren have terminated his contract. Um, be interesting to see what the results of the FIA contract committee are, because if they say that Piastri has to honour his Alpine contract first before the McLaren contract, uh, things will get really messy, particularly for um, for McLaren because they'll be without a driver. And it's also quite brave, Piastri, potentially going to McLaren because it's a car which is quite difficult to drive by the looks of it. So, And his first teammate will be someone who's established in that team. So we'll have to wait and see what happens. Um, it's, it's brave from Piastri to turn down a Formula 1 seat having never been a, a Formula 1 driver in the first place. So... His management and his advisor, Mark Webber, they must be pretty damn confident that they got him a seat elsewhere to to encourage him to do that. Yeah. <laughs> but it's the the way the way that I understand it is that Alpine they they don't want Oscar Piastri in their car really next year. He's blotted his copybook. Um but in doing this contract hearing, if 
indeed they do have a contract that that means that Oscar should be driving for them. McLaren might need to pay a bit of compensation or or pay uh, a release clause at least to uh, to get Oscar Piastri in the car. So I think it's clear that Piastri is going to be in McLaren next year. It's just how much money McLaren might have to pay to get him. In terms of <laughs> the replacement, Alpine, they've they've gone from having three drivers in two seats to having one driver in two seats. So so they've got to fill up that gap with at least one driver. You might think Daniel Ricciardo would be a good person to go back to a team that he knows well. Um, it might be good for him in terms of regaining that confidence because he was doing okay there. But the talk is Pierre Gasly mm. might be going there and maybe uh, yeah, leaving his Alpha Tauri contract a year early with the idea that Helmut Marco's interested in a few of the young guns from IndyCar, not least Herta including Colton so they're thinking of potentially getting Colton Herter into AlphaTauri um, because the idea with him was that he was going to come in with an Andretti Formula One um, attempt but that's looking like it's going to take a while Pierre Gassi and Esteban Ocon are they going to get on according to reports they don't and Esteban Ocon has been tense with teammates in the past how do you see that going if that does happen at Alpine though it's an interesting fit really isn't it because I mean you know two two highly rated French drivers in a French car seems like a sort of great lineup on paper but as you say there could be tensions there um I don't I don't I don't know how sort of like true any of that is obviously none of us know them personally um no so yeah, I don't know. It depends. I mean, do would, you, would you want Pierre Gasly or Daniel Ricciardo in that seat if you're Otmar? It's a difficult one, isn't it? Because it's hard to know sort of how permanent these last two years are going to be in terms of Daniel Ricciardo's performance. Are they? Is that his level now? I hope not, but it could be. And Pierre Gasly's younger, so. Who knows? They're both marketable for different reasons as well, aren't mm. they? Pierre, because he's a French driver and a French team. Ricardo, because he's one of the most popular drivers in Formula One and will bring maybe more people in than Fernando Alonso, who's a two-time world champion. Mm. It's a risk, though, isn't it, with Daniel Ricardo? Uh, the, the other thing to add to the mix in terms of the driver market is that Mick Schumacher, it's been announced today, will not have a relationship with Ferrari following this year. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, does that mean he's going to be leaving Haas? Really? Yeah. That's so, big news, that is, gosh. So, does that mean that there's potentially a space at Haas for Dan- Daniel Ricciardo to go to? It's going to be a bit of a pay cut. I mean, I think we said Haas is sort of the only other option other than Alpine. like Or Williams, because Latifi's not been... Do you see Daniel Ricciardo and Williams? I'm no. not sure. I think they're... I think they'd be more likely to go for a younger driver, sort of like Nick DeVries or someone like that. Um, but mm. I don't know. Anything. I, I mean, I'd say Alpine is probably his best shot, but if they go for Gasly instead, I can see that happening, in which case Haas is a bit of an outside shot. But Apparently, Steiner was on the phone to Daniel Ricciardo before the Hungarian Grand Prix about a potential move, and that was before any of this yeah. particular merry-go-round had actually started. So The thing is as well, I don't mean to speak sort of not very... It doesn't sound very nice, but 
Daniel Ricciardo is damaged goods, so to speak, now in Formula 1, I'd say. Um, I think it's really damaged him in McLaren. And I don't think people were saying... Is, it, is he damaged goods? Yeah, I do think so. Don't you think? Do you think that or not? A lot of people in the paddock will have an opinion formed. They will, they will either think he's damaged goods or they'll think he's had a tough time at McLaren. I'm willing to give him a chance because he's still going to make me a load of money marketing-wise and he's very good in terms of boosting the team morale. That's what Alpine have said. Maybe he just needs a... Could he go to AlphaTauri or not? I just think that's a no-go. I don't think at no. this stage, no. no. I don't think that's happening. No. Yeah, It's just a shame. I mean, to be honest, is he just worth, you know, calling it a day, you know, going to live in Monaco with all of his money? And just chilling out because that's what he deserves. He's a great racing driver and a great guy. You can't deny that. Um, but it's does he does he deserve to not be racing a Formula One car? I don't think it's about deserving. I, I I just think it's it's quite a risk for him as well. Does he really want to put himself through another move to another team where he's potentially not going to do any good? But yeah, it's just these are ultimate competitors here, though, aren't they? He wants to go out proving that he is still something special and that that was a blip yeah i don't i don't think his mentality is that he's he wants to quit i don't think he does want to quit it's just an option that he's got that he's got quite a lot of money and he can just go sail off into the sunset and not worry about life and just relax because he's quite a chilled out guy and i think he could maybe do indycar or that sort of thing if you had to put a million pounds on it, <laughs> what are you saying Daniel Ricciardo's doing next year, both of you? We'll start with you, Jimmy. Probably Haas, if deep down, I think he'd go to Haas. I still think Alpine could be wrong, could equally be Gasly, but I'm going to go with Alpine. I feel as though it's going to be Gasly at Alpine and Ricciardo. Because he's French, that's the big, th- Although, that's the big thing about Gasly, is he's French. Yeah. But, but Gasly and Ocon... Is going to be a fiery pairing that will end up in a mess. That's the problem I have with that. Yeah. Apparently, Ocon is quite a difficult teammate, shall we say, to get on with. Um, he's been fighting with most of his teammates, hasn't he? I don't see how, because he seems a really nice guy. But, I mean, Perez, Fernando Alonso, uh, yeah. Um, that was my AJ on the line line of the week. We, we had to discuss the driver market, and we did. Joe, your AJ on the line line of the week, if you please. Um, I'll just go with uh, Lewis Hamilton's sort of snide comeback to Fernando Alonso, which was uh, we've had different results in our career. I love it. So what what did Fernando Alonso say on the radio initially? Why don't you remind the listeners of that? So initially, after their coming together, um, Fernando accused Lewis Hamilton of not knowing how to race from anywhere other than starting on pole position. A typical Fernando Alonso thing to say, Mm -hmm. but the statistics would argue that Alonso must be worse then. Well, yeah. I mean, I think Lewis Hamilton's won more races from starting below pole position than Fernando Alonso has starting from any position. So... Lewis Hamilton's response was that uh, they've had fairly different results in their careers, yeah? Mm-hmm. I, I think he was trying to avoid what Fernando Alonso had said because people kept on saying, have you heard what he said on the radio? And he was going, I don't care. Yeah. Did, did Fernando apologise or not? I don't know if he did or not. I think, I think he, he was quite 
chilled after the race about it because he'd heard that Lewis took responsibility. Yeah. If Lewis hadn't taken responsibility, I think things would have been different. I agree. But I think what Lewis also said after uh, what Joe has mentioned is that he was going to go and speak to Fernando, but if he's going to be like that, then maybe he won't. Exactly, yeah. So old feuds continue to boil. That's been going for 15 years, hasn't it, that one? It's crazy. Oh, Fernando Alonso loves to stir the pot, though, doesn't he? He loves it. He does, yeah. He loves the fact that he can just leave Alpine just on his one, <laughs> not, tell, not tell anyone. And then he, I bet he was looking forward to the press conference all uh, summer, thinking, oh, I can't wait to, to say it. He was He was planning what he was going to say. Yeah, everyone knew other than not for now. The one thing I would say is he has is a wasted talent in Formula 1. I think he should have won more titles. He's, he's just had very unfortunate sort of team pairings where they've been pretty crap um to be polite apart from ferrari he could have potentially won i don't know what year but i'm pretty sure he was quite close one of the years that said one right well he was very close in both 2010 and 2012 there but... you go yeah yep but that's motor racing it is you could argue that someone different could have won last year's championship as well. Exactly. Uh, what's your AJ on the line line of the week? Uh, so my AJ on the line line of the week comes from Audi Motorsport, who said rings are the new stars, which I think is a very clever sort of play on words. Um, and this is all for the viewers who don't know. What could they mean by that? Well, Mercedes haven't been doing too well this season and Audi have come into Formula One uh, in 2026 um, as a powertrain supplier, which will be based in Germany, which is the first time that's happened since BMW were engine suppliers, which is exciting. Um, I don't know what's going to happen with the actual team. Is that still going to be? I think it's going to be Salva. It? Yeah. It's yet to be announced. That's a bit of a shame, I have um, to say. Al- if- Alfa Romeo were quite... The- <laughs> They were quite sassy about that, um, announcing that they would not be uh, with with Salva from 2026, almost trying to beat Aldi to the punch in terms of announcing that. But it seems like that's still being finalised. I would imagine that they supply Salvas with the engines. Uh, they will have a lot of say over what the car's aerodynamics become. And as time goes on, their influence will increase to the point that they by yeah. the majority of I mean, the of stakes that was, um, to Salva. Salva was obviously the team that BMW supplied, weren't they? It was, it it was Salva BMW, wasn't right, it? Yeah. So I've got form in that sort of area. And it's it's great that um, another engine manufacturer will be joining the sport in 2026 when the engines are going to become a little bit more electric and hopefully a lot more uh, renewable fuel as well. So that will be good in terms of pushing forward the whole automotive industry, increase, increasing competition, and therefore, uh, or you economists out there, uh, increased competition leads to what? More performance? or Is there is there some sort of law that you can quote there? Not really, no. Oh, no Incre- just, well, yeah. oh, come on, Jimmy, you're a right-wing economist. Increased competition, in your mind, leads to increased efficiency and productivity. Exactly. Well, that's what I was going to say, but you put me to the post, so, yeah. <laughs> There you go. So, um, and I think also the fact that Porsche, well, they're meant to be joining Red Bull, although there are there are talks that there's some stumbling blocks mm. that have been reached recently. Any talk Absolutely on that? Absolutely love it if Porsche went to Williams. 
Porsche Williams would racing would be an amazing partnership to massively iconic brand being to, it was just incredible it would, but aren't they aren't they on the verge of Red Bull yeah I think so joining and it's going to be difficult because if I was Porsche especially with their motorsport heritage I'd want the whole team and the one to be branded Porsche but we'd have to wait and see um maybe that's a stumbling block it's a shame that we're yeah, having some maybe. like we're not getting new teams and seem to be have a lot have a lot of problem problems getting new teams on the grid at the moment because there seems to be sort of demand for it almost and i'd love to see the grid sort of back up at sort of 24 cars yeah. um it would mean that we could have a few more drivers as well because there's a lot of sort of world-class drivers waiting in the wings but yeah that that is true and i think you might have thought why if vw who own both yeah. Porsche and Audi, why have they not just done a joint venture and made an 11th team? Well, it would cost a lot more, first of all. And in terms of VW signing off at the top board, they're thinking to themselves, well, why not have two bites of the cherry? Because it's going to benefit both of our, our brands in terms of Audi and Porsche. So why not get mm. two for the price of one? I have to say, um, it is quite surprising that a sort of Volkswagen Audi Group two manufacturers could be in Formula One. Um, I'd say Porsche is have they've both got the motorsport pedigree. Don't get me wrong. It's just it seems a bit weird that they could potentially be competing against one another. Well, they used to they used to compete against each other at Le Mans. To be fair, did they? Or I don't think they did. Yeah, no, yeah, Audi and Porsche in sort of the early twenty tens. Um, both Audi and Porsche were both contenders in LMP one. Oh, really? I and, the, was... and even even though they're under the same umbrella group, it's it's almost a German culture that Audi and Porsche they don't want to share any sort of IP at all. Um, so even though Porsche I think had come up with a prototype for an F1 engine that Audi may have been able to use, Audi were like, no, uh, we want to make our absolute own engine. So from from scratch, so. It is interesting in that respect. To, to go back to your point, Joe, about 10 teams on a grid increasing it, I think from an F1 perspective, they would rather having 10 competitive teams than mm. 12 teams with one or two that can compete for championships and the rest fighting over the scraps. Because if, if you think about Salva Audi, if they're in the hunt along with a competitive Ferrari, a competitive Alpine, Red Bull, Mercedes... That, that could lead to, to even more excitement yeah. down the line. It is a good um, point. Obviously, it did go. It went a bit wrong the last time we went. We had an influx of new teams, but, uh, you know, yeah. Caterham slash Lotus, uh, Marussia, they were virgin when they came in, weren't they? Um, and HRT did not exactly set the world alight, did they? They basically had a race of their own at the uh, at the back of the grid, didn't they? So I see where you're coming from, but when the team's coming in. But it would be nice yeah. if there were... I mean, if you could get teams coming competitive in... drivers. ...as financially backed as both Porsche and Audi are, I don't think there'd be too much of a danger of them being stuck at the back, so... My my understanding is that um, VW, as a group, they are not spending any more money on motorsport than they already were in terms of coming yeah. into Formula One because they they pulled out other other projects. I think it was Dakar they pulled mm. out of. And but Porsche Milano. Porsche going coming quite back in because they're back in um, they're in the hypercar class as well at Le Mans. 
They are, and they've got Formula Re on the go mm-hmm. as well. That's quite Which got mental, by the way, the um, hypercar class in Le Mans. There's yeah. so many manufacturers in that now. Yeah, it's quite interesting, that is, because I don't think it's actually... It's Porsche, but it's it, it's another company as well. I forgot the, the name of it, um, but it's like is a it Penske, joint... I think. Penske, uh, that's it, yeah. Yeah, because they're a big indie car brand, aren't they, Penske? So yeah. yeah. I think, yeah. But Porsche have a lot of customers as well in that... Um, uh, hypercar class like they're only running like one factory one but they've got like three customer teams as well so yeah oh wow so it's like they've uh so if they aren't increasing their spending that's quite a quite an achievement considering they're entering um both f1 and i suppose Le Mans, which are the two sort of that might be where they're making a little bit of money back with the customer yeah teams. so the confirmed so far peugeot um, Scuderia, Cameron, BMW are in it. Cadillac are in it. Ferrari are doing one. Are they? Yeah, Ferrari are definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Alpine have got one as well. Alpine have got one. I think that was possibly um, one of Alpine's sort of plans was to replace Alonso eventually and get and sort of push Alonso into the Le Mans team, which obviously hasn't worked out that well for them. Lam- Lamborghini as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, yeah. The hype. Yeah. The the new Le Mans rules really seem to have worked because I don't know if you guys keep up with Le Mans, but um, the, for the past sort of three, four years, there was literally one car in the fastest yeah. class, and that was Toyota. So uh, there was about sort of three cars capable of winning a race, whereas now it's looking like there's going to be about 20. So Audi, Audi pulled out. They were like the kings of Le Mans. Then they pulled out, and then Porsche took over, won, won everything, then they pulled out, and it was Toyota, as you say. So, yeah. Well... If, if Formula One can be as competitive with as many different manufacturers, then that would be ideal too. Absolutely. So, so yeah, it's, it's an exciting time for Formula One with a lot of people looking to get involved. Um, we should move on, if that's all right. Okay, so let's put an end to this Belgian Grand Prix malarkey. And I'm glad that we're going to be talking about it next year as well, because the contract's been extended for another year which is good. Glad there wasn't the last Belgian Grand Prix this year. But we have the Dutch Grand Prix coming up this weekend. So let's pop some predictions in. My sensible prediction is that Max Verstappen is not going to win the Dutch Grand Prix. That's not very sensible of you. Well, I'm not a sensible bloke. (laughs) Joe, what's your sensible prediction? That Max Verstappen is going to win the Dutch Grand Prix. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that track suits him as well. Red Bull as well, although he's going to be cheered on by his home yeah. fans. Jimmy, your sensible prediction prediction for the Dutch Grand Prix, please. A Ferrari one two. Oh, that is okay. definitely not sensible. I think it, it that that's less sensible than me. I think it is sensible because they're very good on the tight and twisted Ferrari, and it is a track that will probably suit them. So yeah, I think that if they don't cock it up as they've done, well, exactly. Past, this is a sensible races. prediction, and you've just said that. <laughs> so, um. Oh, yeah. That's the only fly in the ointment, I'd say. Um, but We'll stick with you for your bold prediction then, Jimmy. Uh, my bold prediction would be a double points finish for Haas. Okay. I don't know if... Do you have any rhyme or reason behind that, or it's what came to your head first? <laughs> the first thing that came into my head. It's sort of, uh, yeah. It's not... Yeah, it, it could happen, it couldn't happen as all results, obviously. But um, I'm not really selling it very much, am I? Um, no, you're not. But I'm sure Joe has something bold to tell us that he's thought through. 
he hasn't thought this through. In fact, he hasn't thought about it at all. And he's just reading lists of uh, driver names and coming up with positions they might finish in. So uh, <laughs> I'll go with a Sebastian Vettel podium for literally no wow. reason at all. <laughs> and I'm going to go for what I usually do and say Mercedes, Mercedes. Oh, sorry, I've gone all um, Paul DeResta. Um, Mercedes are going to win the race. It's not going to happen, Adam. Bold prediction. Could happen. It's not going to happen, Adam. It could happen. And that's why I'm predicting it boldly right now. I'd love that if Hamilton won in the front of the Dutch crowd. I'd absolutely love that. I know you would. That'd be so funny. (laughs) They'd be so angry. It'd be brilliant. But anyway, you know, who knows what will happen. (laughs) Um, I've got to say, Amsterdam's going to be packed. (laughs) Because you can get the train out to Zandvoort from Amsterdam quite easily. Yeah. In fact, I happen to know that the hostel, yes, I know, I'm living up in a hostel in Amsterdam that I stayed, well, I, I left there uh, two weeks ago tomorrow, uh, but I was talking to the bloke and they're absolutely sold out for the uh, the Grand Prix weekend. They, they're going to have the Dutch army descend upon the bulldog. Um, but, but there you go. Um it's been a pleasure to speak to both of you. Do you have anything more to add before we say our goodbyes? I don't I'm think all good, so, thank no. you. Okay, well, in that case, have a lovely rest of your holiday, Jimmy. Joe, thank you for finding the time after your fantastic go-karting victory earlier today, um, I hear. And to you listening, wherever you are, I appreciate your time. We all appreciate your time in terms of listening. And you can see more of me and maybe Joe and Jimmy, but mostly me, on the social media accounts that are on Instagram, AdamJW44. If you've not been keeping up with what I've been doing for the last two weeks, I feel sorry for you because it's been quite action-packed on there. TikTok, keep a look out there for some interesting videos. Um, follow AJ on the line there, and then go to the website, ajontheline.com, where you can look at other bits of articles that we've done and other podcasts and you could subscribe on apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast share it with a friend rate it highly and listen to us in a week's time while we talk about the dutch grand prix thank you again and bonsoir no au, au revoir I, I guess they would say in belgium but we will say hello but thanks uh, when we see you in a week.